I invite you to take your copy of God's Word this morning and open it with me again to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. Today we'll be in verses uh, 7 through 16. I think that's right. (laughs) I only spent all week preparing for it. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 16. We are very quickly approaching the end of this series in Hebrews, and I'm, I'm, uh, it's, a, it's bittersweet for me. Uh, I've really enjoyed preaching through Hebrews. I know I've said that multiple times, but it's because it's really, really true. Uh, this has been uh, an amazing uh, portion of God's Word to work through with you and to study in worship together, and I, I pray that it's been rewarding for you, and I hope that our time spent over the last a uh, year, actually, in Hebrews, here and then, uh, or here and there, uh, will be helpful to you as you study this portion of God's Word on your own. As I was reading this uh, text and thinking about it this week, I was uh, reminded of the reality that really nothing in life is permanent. Nothing's permanent. Permanent markers aren't even permanent. That's just a lie on its face. You can actually, you can take a permanent marker, color, you can take a Sharpie and color on a whiteboard, and then you can just, you can erase the permanent marker with a whiteboard marker. Did you know that? There's a life hack for you that's free. Even permanent markers aren't permanent. And even the things that they are on sort of permanently, even over time, we see that they wears off. The things that we think in life are most stable, most unchanging are, are always changing, even if we can't see it. Even the mountains that we see are constantly changing by erosion from the wind and from the rain. Their, their shape is, is, is always in motion. Even though we may not be able to perceive it with our eyes, it's always, it's always changing. The universe is always expanding, and so the distance between galaxies and stars is always growing. Not even that is the same. And we know that as scientists have told us that as the, the universe continues to expand and if the Lord tarries, the universe will, as they theorize, experience a heat death, which means it will not explode in heat, but it will eventually just get so cold because everything's so moving so far away. Even our lives, as consistent as they seem day to day, are, are not permanent. We know how quickly things can change. Health can go from great to terrible one day to the next, uh, family relationships can go from awesome to strained in, uh, with, with one uh, curse word said from one to another. Things are constantly changing. And in a world where everything changes, what we really need more than anything is something that doesn't. Something to really anchor our lives to, our hope to. Here in Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 16, these first century Jewish background believers are instructed to remember well, to think well of those people who taught them about the one thing that doesn't change. To taught them about the unchanging gospel of Jesus, who is, as we'll see in verse 8, the same yesterday, today, and forever. They're called to remember those who taught them that Jesus never changes. And they're instructed to live lives of worship in light of this never-changing Jesus. And so the main idea that we come into contact with from these verses today is this, that Jesus, in a world that is always changing, Jesus who never changes is worthy of our whole worship. Jesus who never changes is worthy of all of our worship. So this morning I invite you as we look at God's word to fix your eyes, fix your mind, fix your heart on him, on Christ, so that your worship will be true, so that your worship will be fulfilling so that your worship will be lasting 
Stand with me, would you, as you're comfortably able, as we honor God by reading his word, Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 16. The author to the Hebrews in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which, we, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, through Christ then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Jesus, who never changes, is worthy of our whole worship. As the author of this letter begins or or is in the middle of his conclusion uh, of, of his exhortation and explanation of who Jesus is to these Hebrews, he says, first of all, in verses seven and eight, that faithful leaders point to the never-changing Jesus. Faithful leaders in the church, among the church, among Christians, point to Jesus who never changes. Our passage today begins with a command. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Now, the author is probably calling these people to remember them in the sense that they have already passed on. They have already died. The leaders that first brought the gospel to them are no longer living or perhaps have moved on to take the gospel to another city. These leaders that they remember are the ones who spoke to them the word of God, who spoke to them the gospel. So what are they to be remembered for? Well, specifically for speaking the gospel to them, telling them the unchanging good news of Jesus Christ, and to be remembered, to be well thought of, for living the gospel in ways that are worthy of imitation. Remember, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Here's this principle on display for us, that godly leaders are not concerned with what people think of them, but they are concerned with how God looks on their life and looks on their teaching. The Hebrews had examples of godly leaders who cared more about what God thought of them, who cared more about the fact that they would teach and preach the unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ rather than be well-received by people who are believers or not yet. Friend, are you tempted to think much of yourself for being a leader? Perhaps you serve in leadership in the church. Perhaps you're one of our deacons, a Sunday school teacher, maybe uh, teach children on Wednesday nights or volunteer uh, serving alongside Corey in our youth ministry. Maybe you serve on a physical properties team or administrative team in the church. Do you have a position of leadership, a position of influence? And if so, are you tempted to think much of yourself because you do? I have to include myself in that. Even as a pastor, as a leader, I am sometimes tempted to think too much of myself because I'm a leader. And sometimes I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm tempted to think too much about what other people think about me as a leader. And it keeps me from maybe saying what is true, even when it's hard. 
as a leader, does envy, sometimes envy of others, make you feel like a less effective or less blessed leader? I don't teach as well as that person. I'm not as bold as that individual. I'm not as charismatic as so-and-so. Friend, remember that godly leaders are not concerned with what people think of them. And they're not concerned with what they think people think of them. They're concerned with what they know, how God looks upon their life and upon their teaching. So if you're tempted to think too much of yourself, or you're tempted to be envious of what other leaders have, I invite you to repent with me of these things this morning. Believers, so leaders need to see themselves or need to be concerned with how God looks on them. And believers, others who are following the leadership of those in the church, they need to look on their leaders and think about their leaders, not through the eyes of men, but through the, the lens of Jesus. And as much as leaders need to not be concerned with what people think of them, so also those who follow leaders in the church need to not be concerned with what human beings are concerned with. But they need to judge and discern and think upon they're leaders through the lens of Christ because this fact remains that there is one thing that is never changing, one person who is never changing. And as verse 8 says, it is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is never changing. You're supposed to remember leaders who taught the gospel, who lived the gospel out because Jesus never changes. Here we are introduced to, in the course of Hebrews, the doctrine of the immutability of God. That is the unchanging nature of God. One theologian defines immutability this way. God is unchanging in his being. He's unchanging in his perfections. He's unchanging in his purposes. And he is unchanging in his promises. He cannot be changed. This same doctrine is affirmed for us in the Old Testament in Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 6, when God says through his prophet, I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. New Testament author James in James 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so here in Hebrews 13, 8 is one more declaration of Christ's divinity and his immutability. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is unchanging in his being. He is unchanging in his perfection. He is unchanging in his purposes and he is unchanging in his promises. So then, if Christ is eternally unchanging in his very essence, in his very purposes, in all that it is to be who he is, then the salvation that he died and was raised to bring is also unchanging. The gospel message, which is centered on Jesus, is also unchanging. The good news of salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ will never, ever be modified. It will never, ever be improved upon by God because it is the perfect news, the perfect message, the perfect way by which we can be and are saved. So, knowing this, faithful leaders teach that Jesus is unchanging. Faithful Christian leaders highlight This fact about who Jesus is when they teach the gospel to others, he never changes. And the good news by which you are saved also never changes. Because Jesus is immutable, because Jesus is unchanging, so is his gospel, and so is the way that we come to be reconciled to God. The good news that God and his love for sinners who have rejected him sent his son Jesus, who's fully God, fully man, to die a sinless death on the cross to pay for all of our sins and to be raised again 
never changes. The reality that we receive salvation and forgiveness of sin through trust in Jesus, through faith in the person and work of Christ, never changes. And you might think that because it never changes, that eventually it gets old, it gets boring. But friends, understand this. In an always changing world, in an ever-changing universe, you need something to anchor your life to that will not be moved. The unchanging gospel of Jesus Christ is that. So I'll preach it till I'm blue in the face and you're sick of hearing it because it never changes. And it's the news you need every week. Faithful leaders point others to the never-changing Jesus. And then we see in verses 8 through 16, because verse 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. is kind of a transition verse. It sits there in the middle between a call to remember your leaders and also a call to worship according to right ways. The never-changing Jesus leads to true and better worship. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So here's how it impacts your living, the author of Hebrews says. In verses 9 through 16, first of all, true and better worship in light of the never-changing Jesus in relationship with the never-changing Jesus is marked by being sustained by grace. We know that we are sustained by God's good gift of his spirit to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So here's a warning in verse 10. Do not be led astray because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by strange teachings about where true strength comes from. The author says we're not strengthened by food. I mean, we are, but not really. Our hearts are not strengthened by food. Our bodies, yes, but our souls, no. Our souls are strengthened not by what we put into our bodies, but our souls are strengthened by the very grace of God. He says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Here, the author is probably referring to those Jewish kosher food laws. These are things you do eat. These are things you don't eat as you're a a part of God's people known as Israel. But Jewish food laws, even eating clean versus unclean foods according to Old Testament dietary codes, Jewish food laws do nothing to strengthen the hearts of God's people in the Old Testament. And that's plain all over. But it's the word of God that is meant to strengthen and sustain his people. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, Moses reminds the people of Israel as they're about to go into the promised land. He says, God humbled you and he let you hunger and he fed you with manna. The manna was that, that mysterious substance that appeared on the ground morning after morning after morning after morning during the wilderness period that they would take and make into bread for the day. He fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, so that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Food doesn't feed your soul. Grace does. I know that's hard to believe living in New Mexico with some of the best food in all the world. This is real soul food. Red and green chili on enchiladas on, man, you just put that stuff on anything. That that feels good in your belly, but it will not feed your soul. The author of Hebrews says that because Jesus never changes, so, so also never changes the way that we are strengthened, not by food, but by God's grace. Those who serve the tent, the author of Hebrews says in verse 10, have no right to eat the, from the altar that we eat from. 
Here he's referring to those who still follow uh, the old covenant, who are still worshiping in the tent, in the temple in Jerusalem, following old covenant worship practices. They eat of the altar, so to speak, of animal sacrifices. Now, literally, in old covenant worship, the priests literally did eat of the altar. The meat that was uh, the meat from the animals that was sacrificed there was the sustenance, the daily physical sustenance of the priests that lived in the temple. But there's sort of a day-by-day living by temple sacrifices that, that sustained people under the Old Covenant. But the author of Hebrews says we have a different altar that we eat from. We have a different altar that we are fed by and sustained by. We eat from the altar of God's presence. Not enchiladas or grilled cheese sandwiches that give energy for a few hours, but we are consuming God's grace that gives everlasting life. And those who are dependent upon sacrifices for sins in a temple on a hill have no idea what it is to eat from this altar. Because Jesus never changes, friends. His grace will always be sufficient for our sustenance. So don't go to anybody else. Don't go to any other God for hope. Don't go to any other spiritual idea or, or, or false God or Anything else in life to be sustained in your soul, go to Jesus who never changes. The never-changing Jesus leads to true and better worship that is sustained by grace. True and better worship that is also, as we see in verses 11 through 14, gathered around Jesus. Worship that is explicitly Jesus-oriented. Under the old covenant, sacrifices for sin were made in the temple court. They're outside of the temple. And then they were... Then the, the Animals, the the carcasses of the sacrificed animals were then carried by the priests outside of the camp and they were burned. It was an image of sin being taken away from the dwelling of the people, being totally removed. It's It's a picture of God's redeeming grace. It's a picture of atonement. An animal dies in the place of sinners and then... That animal which has borne the sin of the people uh, and, and, and figuratively carries the sin of the people is taken away from them. What a beautiful picture of redemption. Similarly, though, Jesus, as the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, was not crucified in the city of Jerusalem, but outside the city on a hill. He who bore our sin was taken away from the dwelling of God's people. Because Jesus becomes sin for us, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, his death must occur outside the city. His death has to occur away from the dwelling place of God, but also because his sacrifice is superior to that of the animals in the temple, we don't gather anymore around a physical altar. We gather to worship outside the city to a better place of sacrifice. The altar in the temple court is no longer a sufficient altar for sacrifices because the sacrifice has been given that puts an end to the death of animals for the sins of people. So we don't worship in a, uh, around a physical altar. We worship around the altar that is Jesus. And he was not sacrificed in the temple, but outside the city. We do not look for salvation and righteousness in the confines of a human city. We don't look for salvation and righteousness with certain liturgies of worship. We don't look for salvation or righteousness in the rituals that are performed. Not in our church attendance, not in our generous giving. None of these things are the proper focus of our worship. But instead, we look for salvation, we look for righteousness as we gather around the person of Jesus, as worshipers in His unshakable kingdom that He sets up in the hearts of all of those who love Him. 
It is Jesus who is the same yesterday and today and forever. It is Jesus, not buildings, not cities, not programs, not preachers, not political theories. It is Jesus that is the rallying point for our worship. But rallying around Him means being ready to leave the city behind. We live in a a world that is constantly changing. Buildings are erected and torn down all the time. Cities come and go and change in their demographic makeup. Church ministry programs are good for a time and then not so much as the culture and the needs of our community change. Preachers live and then they die. Political theory changes from administration to administration. Everything is changing. And so if we build our worship around anything as Christians that is changing in this world, we've missed the point. If we build our worship around anything that is not permanent, our worship will ultimately fail us. It will disappoint us. We will go the way of the rest of the world into hopelessness and total depression and despair if we worship around anything that is not permanent. Because Jesus never changes, because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the focus of our worship gathering. Not a preacher on a platform. Not a worship pastor who sings the songs that we may or may not like to sing. Not a building with a big blue roof. We gather around Jesus. True and better worship. Is oriented around him, and true and better worship results in praising God. Look at verse 15. Through him, through Christ, who we go to outside of the city, who we bear the reproach of the constantly changing of world to, in order to worship, through Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Well, since Christ is the perfect and once for always sacrifice for sins animal sacrifices are no longer necessary and they're no longer appropriate as a part of christian worship worship though ascribing worth and honor and glory to god is still necessary and is still appropriate for christians but the sacrifices that we offer in worship in the new covenant age are transformed no longer do we sacrifice to God through offering animals for our sins, but now we sacrifice to God through songs of praise, words of praise. New sacrifices under the new covenant of Christ are characterized by the spoken and sung and verbally expressed praise to God by those who have come to know Him fully and truly through Jesus, His Son, and who is our great high priest. When we sing on Sunday mornings, that's not to just get us warmed up to hear from the Word. When we sing together on Sunday mornings, deep gospel truths, when we sing these things, we are in our hearts meant to, if we're doing it right, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. So when we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, we're not just reciting good poetry. We are saying, God, amazing is your grace that saved a mess like me that put out and transformed a dumpster fire of a life like mine amazing grace how sweet the sound my chains are gone i've been set free sin no longer has a hold on me i didn't mean for that to rhyme it just came out that way (laughs) but christian when you sing when we pray when, when we share testimonies of God's grace and how He's working in our lives week to week in small group Bible studies and in our grow groups, 
Is that your intent to say, here's where God has blown my mind this week? Because Jesus never changes. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because the salvation that we have in Him is never changing. Because it is totally secure. Because He is totally permanent. Because Jesus never, uh, never changes. And because our salvation is always perfect. Our praises will never, ever end. You will never grow tired or run out of things to praise God for. And you will never run out of motivation to praise God for the things you've already praised Him for a million times in your life. Because He never ceases to be amazing. He never ceases to be beautiful. He never ceases to be powerful and life-changing forever. Because Jesus is the same. We praise God, not through offering physical sacrifices of animals in a temple. We praise God by giving our whole lives in worship and adoration and praise to the one who could do for us what nobody could do. Because Jesus never changes. He leads us to true and better worship that also results, and as verse 16 shows us, in caring for others. It's another aspect of our worship, caring for others. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, he says. Sacrifices of good works and generosity toward others are pleasing to God. Alongside praising His name, Sacrifices of praise, which is the fruit of lips that acknowledge Him. This is not meant to indicate that God's pleasure, that, that His satisfaction with you is contingent upon the good works that you do. Rather, that God is pleased to be worshipped by His people through their care and compassion to others. The core gospel truth that we are saved as a free gift of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, as Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 tell us, that never changes. You are never saved. You are never made pleasing in God's sight by anything that you do for anybody else. You can never do enough to prove yourself to God. The point is, you are reconciled to God. You're brought into right relationship with God through Jesus, His Son, as a free gift that God gives to undeserving sinners. So if you've been saved, praise God that you've been saved freely, free of charge, a cost that was paid by Christ on the cross. But, as Paul goes on in Ephesians 2, verse 10 to say, That we who have known God's grace, we have received that free gift of salvation by placing our lives confidently with trust in Jesus Christ. We are now God's workmanship, created for doing good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Saved people serve people. Serving people aren't saved because they serve, but saved people serve people. People who have received God's grace extend God's grace. People who know God's generosity extend generosity to those in need. And so here's a call in Hebrews 13, 16 to worship through generosity. To worship God through caring and by caring for other people. There's a tie here in both of these final commands. To praise God with our lips, to serve God with uh, to, to serve God by serving others to the first and second great commandments. The first great commandment, as Jesus affirms, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Offering up a sacrifice of praise demonstrates a heart, soul, mind, strength that loves God. And caring for others, helping those who are in need, doing good, sharing what you have, is close, very close in line to the second great commandment, to love others as yourselves. Because Jesus never changes. Our compassion for others, our generosity toward others, 
are always glorifying to him. Because Jesus never changes and he calls us to true and better worship that looks like compassion and care for others. We can worship him that way. Now listen, if you're doing good deeds for others, if you're caring for those who are, who are in need, if you're generous or you give away to those that, that have physical needs because you want to feel better about yourself or, or assuage some, some sense of guilt for not doing enough for other people, you've missed the point. But if you give freely and generously to others because you know that God has given freely and generously grace and compassion and salvation to undeserving sinners like you, well, now you've understood worship. Now you've understood worship expressed love expressed to other people, not because we want them to love us or to think well of us, but because we have been so loved by God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That sits at the center of this whole passage that we're looking at today. And when we come to understand this never-changing Jesus, we are led to this one, I think, application from the text, this one call from the text, which is this. Worship Him. Worship the never-changing Jesus. Leaders. Here I speak to Pastor Danny and myself, deacons, Sunday school teachers, ministry leaders in our church, Leaders, you who have influence over others, over other Christians, make it your life's goal, your life's intent in all that you do in teaching others to point other people to Jesus, to help them anchor their life to the never-changing Jesus, even when they want to look elsewhere. Our world is never changing and there's a never changing sea of distractions to take our attention away from Christ. Good, godly leaders always point to him who never changes. And good godly leaders don't allow the changing circumstances of the world to take over their teaching, or the point of their teaching. It is a call of Christian leaders, those who have opportunity to point others to Jesus, to do that and to do it faithfully. So you, leader, worship the never-changing Jesus with all that you are so that in your teaching and in your living, you can give a model, an example worthy of imitating to those that you have influence over. Leaders point others to Jesus. Christian may not be in a position of leadership yet. Learn to follow good pointers. Learn to follow those who point well to Jesus. Listen to what we teach. Listen to what we say. Listen to the lives that we live before you to see, is this person, is their whole life oriented around this never-changing Jesus who is the same yesterday and today and forever? And if so, imitate their example. And then, as you grow in your life and your orientation around Jesus and in Him only, then learn to point others to Jesus too. You become a good leader by pointing others to Jesus who never changes. Worship the never-changing Jesus. Dear friend, if you're here today, you would not call yourself a believer yet, not a Christian yet. I invite you to look to whom we point you today. Not to a man in a dragonfly shirt on a stage with a Bible. Don't look at me. Not to a team of people who lead in song. Don't look to them. Not to your Friend, brother, sister, next to you, don't look to them. Look to who we point you today. Not to people on platforms, not to people in a room. Look to the Jesus that we point you to today. Don't miss this.
If you're here to hear a, a, a charismatic, self-help, make-your-life-better speech, TED Talk on a Sunday morning, you've come to the wrong place. We're here to do one thing, week in and week out, which is to point ourselves and to point everyone who's with us to Jesus Christ who never changes. Understand this, friend. This Jesus who never changes has demonstrated, has manifested the glory and perfection of God, your Creator, as He lived on earth in a sinless way. He has taken all of your sin, all of the moral debt that you owe God for every coarse word that you have spoken, every little white lie that you have told, every lustful thought that has crossed your mind, every act of violence that you may have committed against somebody else. Jesus came, the Son of God, to take your moral debt toward God on Himself and to cancel that debt on the cross as He died for you. It's the most generous gift that God could ever do for people who had rejected Him. And that same Jesus who was crucified for the sins of the world, was raised in power and glory from the grave three days later to demonstrate that there is hope for life uh, uh, for those who have turned from their sin and come to Him by faith, to demonstrate that there is hope for life beyond this one because even as He was raised, so also will we be raised if our faith is in Him to live with God forever. This Jesus Christ who gave his life for your sin and who raised it from the dead is ruling and reigning today over all of the cosmos at the right hand of God the Father. And he is calling you to look to him. He's saying, look to me. Come to me. Do you need salvation? Do you need spiritual rest? Do you need healing for your heart? Come to me. Because I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you in spades. I'll give it to you abundantly. And know this, I never change. So I'll never stop giving you life. Friend, look to whom we point you today. Look to Jesus. Because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Brothers and sisters, let us give our whole lives in worship to this never changing Jesus. Pray with me.